just cause I love my podcast. Working fans. I shed blood for my podcast. Ra-da-da. Let a podcast holler where my podcast. The pussy at. All I want to hear is right here, my podcast. Somebody say something about a podcast. You won't take this from me, baby. You will not take this from me, baby. Fans, welcome to the Working Fans Podcast presents, aka Slippery Joe's Funhouse, where we bring you a bonus podcast each week presenting your favorite podcast's favorite stuff. Now, we have some Tape Trader's Guide to the 90s coming up. We have some Cult in Connecticut. We'll be bringing you some Peter X. Murawski and a variety of other things through year two. Guys, I want to take a second to tell you about All Everything Entertainment. They are your home for the latest breaking news and opinions about sports, wrestling, and entertainment. From jock to geek and everyone in between, they will definitely have something for you. As I'm recording this, they have 10 live weekly podcasts that can be watched daily on Facebook, YouTube, or alleverythingentertainment.com. The replays are available on their Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, or iTunes channels. Their shows run the gamut as they talk about the NFL, NBA, NHL, football, movies, bi-weekly top 10 countdowns, paranormal activity, wrestling, WWE, AEW, NJPW, UFC, Bellator, and so much more. These guys, they're just like you. They're passionate individuals who love a variety of subjects, and that's why they started this company in May of 2019, to kind of be a one-stop shop for entertainment. On September 11th, 2020, they made arguably their biggest signing by agreeing to terms with yours truly, the Working Fans Podcast. I was out of work sick, and I was happy to join them as a part of their team you can find them on soundcloud facebook twitter instagram and youtube by searching all everything entertainment or go to all everything for their full schedule and a full list of their shows if you like us you will 100 percent like them thank you we want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show 482 designs that is F-O-U-R, the number is 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality t-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, like, the vibes of washer and dryer, they look good, and they're good quality. Nice, and those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Fans, welcome back for another week. This week, our bonus episode is less something we're bringing to you that we enjoy. And it's actually a bonus review of this past weekend's Full Gear. 
And it is the rare tag team combo of AJ Strangebrew and myself. AJ, how you feeling today? feel great. Just got the good news that I'm going to be working basically eight days in a row, so that's going to be fun. Yeah, unfortunately, you said that means you're off of tomorrow's episode where we preview Talking Shop of Mania. Yeah, the man they called Dave, I'm pretty sure, took a lead pipe to my general manager so that he could get more face time. Is that why he's not here right now? I mean, we set a pretty good recording time, and you're here, I'm here, where is he? Yeah, he says it's something to do with bread, I think he just has a yeast infection. Oh man, you almost made me spit my drink out here, and I can't ruin a second computer. (laughs) Now, this weekend, we both had the privilege of watching Full Gear 2020, and I want to start with the buy-in, because it was Serena Deeb versus Allison Kay for the NWA Women's Championship. What did you think of this match going in, and then what did you think of it after it was all done? I think the match was interesting, because Allison Kay had been very vocal on Twitter and other accounts about how she couldn't get a shot at the NWA women's title, and she gets let go and is done with her NWA contract, and the first thing she does is that AEW's full gear buy and get a shot at the NWA title. Definitely an interesting way to go. And that's not even the most surprising thing that happened in this match, but... A couple things that I noticed is that they've got the ladies picture in the center plate for the title, like it's a high school locket or something. What did you think of that? Is that the way the title's always been? I'll be honest with you, I don't think anybody alive remembers what the women's NWA title looked like. (laughs) (laughs) I think that you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who remembers the original belt. I think it looks ridiculous. I think that it's actually somewhat sexist that they're playing up like women want to lock it or something in the middle of their belt. It's definitely not appealing to me. I don't know how others feel about it. But I think it's a little on the sexist side. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's different than a nameplate, but it just struck me as weird. And the only other thing that struck me as weird is during the match, when they were putting over Serena Deeb, they mentioned her background in yoga. And I thought that was a weird thing to bring up as a positive stat for her when Allison Kay competed in Bloodsport and is just a monster overall. Like, yoga versus this girl that can beat you MMA style. To me, it didn't really match, but I thought the match was amazing. Yeah, Allison Kay, here's this beast. And let's put over the fact that she's absolutely a dominant force. Oh, by the way, she's wrestling the yoga instructor. Yeah, and in... (laughs) And in the end, Serena Deeb took it, which I was very surprised because when I saw Allison Kay was on this match, I was convinced Allison Kay was walking away the champion. Here's the funny thing. Neither one of them are under contract to NWA. Serena Deeb is actually under contract to AEW. Yes. And after the match, probably the biggest surprise, Thunder Rosa comes back out. So I guess she's not going to NXT. And... Is she going to challenge for this NWA title again, and where will that happen? So here's the weird thing about the Thunder Rosa situation. This is what I don't get about it being on full on the pre-show. One of the biggest things people have been talking about in wrestling, quite frankly, is where Thunder Rosa is going. So you're going to take the time on a pre-show, which isn't guaranteed that people are going to see, and bring out what might be the hottest free agent in wrestling. And that's where you're going to show her. So I'm not sure that she's even locked in, to be honest with you. I think it might have been a one-time buy-off. I'm not sure that she's not going still to NXT. That's possible. I I, I think it was a good thing to put on the buy-in because it had the most... It, it has the most interest that it could pull from it. 
And to me, I guess that's what you'd want out there for free. I would think that would be more of a prime dynamite angle. Dark at worst. This is the equivalent of dark. So I, yeah, you would want it on dynamite, I would say. Yeah, to me, it's just not enough eyes on a situation that's a red hot situation right now. No, and these buy-ins, I don't know what the views they get are. Dave and I watched it on YouTube, but I haven't looked at like the view count to see where it fell compared to even where the pay-per-view sold. Well, here's the funny thing about the buy-in. I didn't even watch it until after. Okay. I watched Full Gear and then watched the buy-in afterwards when I found out that it was Serena Deeb and Allison Kay. And because, quite frankly, I found out about Thunder Rosa being on it, that's when I went back and watched it. Okay. Yeah, the uh, buy-in, otherwise, it just featured a lot of video packages, and that's one thing that I think AEW does well, but I know you're... If I... Yeah. You're no, not a fan yeah. of the hype packages, right? As no, much? I, fa- I fast-forward. Okay. Now, we'll get to the main card, because the first match was Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. And where did you think... How'd you think this was as an opener? It's definitely a way to get the show going hot. It was a hell of a match. These two beat the crap out of each other to a point where everybody was a little worried about the well-being of both of them. Yes, their last match had actually taken place at New Japan's Wrestling Donataku 2018, I believe they said. And this definitely resembled that old-style Japanese match. Do you think it's to signal that the old Kenny Omega is back? I think that's what everything's been about. Doing the sweeping for the sweeper, doing the attitude, even on the dynamite leading into this, when Hangman Page came out to save the box, I Omega came out what about thirty seconds after the ring was cleared to come out and help save the day. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's definitely a different feel to Kenny Omega, and much more of the Kenny Omega of old than it has been of the last two years. Yeah, now this match had Don Callis on the call, which could have even maybe for further been a tell is it a sign that they might be able to reach out and work talent wise with impact either way i thought having him on the call helped a lot yeah even in the video package that i was fast forwarding earlier in the evening i saw that don Callis was talking about kenny omega and talking about the differences and what he has seen now we all know that don Callis is not only called uh impact but it's called kenny omega in japan and they have the background in Canada together, being fellow Canadians, but... Yeah, he's known him since he was 10. His uncle, the Golden Sheik, managed Don Callis. Exactly. So a lot of... Yeah, but a lot... How many people in the U.S. even know that the Golden Sheik is the uncle? Only as many people as Omega tells. Like, you wouldn't have even known that Omega could have been drafted into the NHL at 16 unless Don Callis had told you that. Yeah, and a lot of people forget what a phenomenal athlete Kenny Omega is, how well-rounded he is. He's one of those wrestlers that can bring both the strong style and the aerial aerial style. And when he has matches like he did with Hangman Page where they beat the crap out of each other like that, that's the style of wrestling that I love. Yeah, and this match was really competitive. Kenny Omega offered the handshake that Hangman Page didn't take him up on. And they were off to the races from there, just back and forth, hard-hitting. They had some good high-flying. I think that the reason why Hangman Page, it's important for him not to take that handshake, is because this is the chance for Hangman Page to really come through and to... And 
quite frankly, he's the one for the last few weeks who's been trying to put the team together, who's been upset because the team's not working, that he wants to make sure that they're friends, and he feels he's going to at some point not look like a total bitch. Yeah, and this whole kind of interaction between the two will come back later in the show. Now, they they made an announcement for tonight, Tuesday night, 6 p.m., AEW games on YouTube. What do you think this could be, or are you not even really concerned? Because I, I know you're not as much of a gamer as me. I don't believe, like you said, you were into Pong or Mario Kart, so you were a little behind there in games. Well, remember now. Now, not only do you have Kenny Omega there, who's big into games, but now you have Miro there. You've got a whole litany. Sabian, of, I believe, as well. Oh, yeah, you have a whole litany of people there now that are into gaming. So I think it's just going to be another marketing, and that's good because if you can get the gamers to come over to wrestling that aren't necessarily watching wrestling and you expand your audience even more, any extra audience is good audience. Yeah, that Twitch audience it could bring in too. I would like to hope it's both either a gaming streaming service and I would like to hope that there is an actual AEW game to be announced. See, I heard Twitch audience and I thought that Dave was joining us. <laughs> now, the next match up on the card was Orange Cassidy versus John Silver, a match I had originally heard was going to be on the pre-show. I'm a little surprised it got bumped up to the show, even though I'm a fan of comedy matches. Before we get into even talking about the match, where do you fall on comedy wrestling? I can't imagine it's too favorable. (laughs) I don't mind comedy wrestling when done well. Comedy wrestling, when you play to the audience and you play an angle, actually is very much, to me, similar to the Southern style of wrestling, where you're playing off to the crowd. It's no different than the heel playing off to the crowd with a chin lock or using the old I've got something in my hand trick that Jerry Lawler would use when there's literally nothing in his hand. But, hey, you saw him go into his tights, so there's got to be brass knuckles there, right? And not just Uh, on Halloween either. Exactly. (laughs) He's trying to trick or treat down there. Now, what did you think of this match right here? I thought the match went great. I think that I'm actually a fan of Orange Cassidy, and the reason why is because at the end of the day, he can wrestle his ass off. To be able to do nip-ups and stuff with your hands in your freaking pockets and still deliver stiff shots, I think that his ability is um, really good. And on the other side, the flip side, John Silver is an absolute little beast in there. He's the size of Hornswoggle, but with the steroid look of Hercules. <laughs> it's. I was wondering where you were going to fall on John Silver, because I know you're not a fan of little guys, but for a shorter guy... He is built like a beast, and he did like the one-handed gorilla press in the match where he shows off some impressive feats of strength. Well, as you know, I'm a fan of anybody who's a former um, guest on our show and a friend of our show. 100%. Um, Also, Beyond Wrestling got the shout-out on the air as the last place that this, or the last match these two had. Yeah, and they're giving, AEW on their calls gives shouts out to everyone. They, they tell where people are coming from, what their backgrounds are. If you want to see John Silver and you want to gain a respect for his work other than the comedy work, all you have to do is go to Beyond Wrestling or tune into the archives for the Working Fans podcast and you'll get all the information 
that you need for John Silver to have respect for him. I know, 100%. We talked to him just before he went to AEW, and like his goal of last year was just to get a contract with them. And here he was, second match on the main card, showing improvement. Like He's been like a mid-to-lower-level group guy, and just lately he's kind of had that singles breakout that I think you and me have been waiting for being fans of his from up here. Well, I think the world can agree, other than Ricky Morton, we've made him more than anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. we uh, That young Ricky Morton, where would he be without us now? Now, my favorite spot in this was when Silver tore the pockets out of the pants. That was I, what one of the top five funnier things he did. And his comedy Genius. didn't stop there. Like, screaming, don't put your hands in the pants. Just, just everything he did was popping me during this match. He does little things all the time. Anybody who's a fan of being the elite knows that this guy is just killing it anywhere he goes right now. He's the second most popular um, cult member behind Anna J. <laughs> now, it is wild that him on being the elite has kind of given him this chance to blossom on TV. Like, like obviously, he deserves. Yeah, hard to believe that being on a show with uh, EVPs would actually help you to get over on the main roster. <laughs> now, the next match up, Cody versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. Oof. This was the first title match of the evening. And before we get into the win, Cody was announced as Cody Rhodes, even though I believe he said he wasn't going to use it. But you get your name back. Why not use it? It's a swerve. <laughs> And the Nightmare family, Jesus Christ, how many members do they have now? 10, 12? They're almost as big as the Dark Order. Yeah, and the real good thing about them is, is they never actually seem to show up when he needs them. <laughs> exactly. You got, what, the Gun Club there. You got QT Marshall. You got your brother Dustin. Couple ladies. Like, geez, man. Now, what I've seen from Austin Gunn, is he actually the half-son of Billy? Because he only seems to have done half of his height. <laughs> I mean, he's got 100% of his expressiveness, but you're right. He's like, <laughs> you would you would expect a bigger monster. Now, this match, good back and forth. I'm always down with the good Darby Allen match. I looked down for a moment during this match, and then when I looked up, Darby had won. It was that quick, and I didn't think Darby was going to win it. I was very surprised. Yeah. Well, what I saw was I saw Cody Rhodes veer from Iron Anderson's game plan, and clearly that cost him. Not the first time that something like that would happen tonight. Taz yeah, came yeah. out at the end with Ricky Starks and Brian Cage trying to pull off an old dusty angle, breaking Darby Allen's hand in his car door. There was a moment with Taz's guys, too, when they had the TNT title where the two of them kind of stared at each other because each one was trying to pick up the belt. Oh yeah, that is going to be a match that's going to be interesting coming forward, and I like the nuance of that. Yeah, well, Ricky Stark is talented as the day is long. I mean, the guy, we've seen him since he was NWA TV champion, blossom into what he is now, and with his personality and ability, the, I mean, the sky's the limit for that guy. And then, of course, the machine Brian Cage, I mean, what do we need to say about him? The guy is agile like a cruiserweight and freaking as strong as Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and they had the chance to put over Will Hobbs here in the end because he chased off Taz's guys with a chair. And I, this is going to be a response to Taz's invitation, right? 
I mean, he didn't yeah. explicitly say no, but I mean, you're really picking a side by doing that. Yeah, Will Hobbs seems to be definitely taking the side against them. But the one thing that I noticed that he once again no physical actual inter- altercation between them. He never actually comes into contact with them, which sometimes is a classic sign of the swerve. True, that could be coming at us. Now, the next match, the second title match of the night, Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose for the AEW Women's Championship and second ladies championship on the show. Where are you? Do you think that they're putting over the NWA title bigger than the AEW title? Well, it's hard to say that they're putting it over bigger when this one's actually on the actual full gear. This one had less of a story buildup, I'd say, than the NWA title match, which also now, had very little. Which is true, but you also see such little build of who's actually wrestling for what title. These are the two bigger stars, in my opinion. I think Akira Shida, I think she is actually a bigger star than Serena Deeb, even though she did have time in WWE TV. And then Bull Nakano is definitely... Oh, sorry, that wasn't <laughs> Bull Nakano. I think that, um, she's definitely uh, forced to be reckoned with, especially with that Vicky Guerrero with her. Yeah. Vicky Guerrero, quite frankly, might be the biggest name that's involved in the match. <laughs> now, Nyla Rose, you probably wouldn't have picked up uh, on this, but her gear was inspired by Mega Man. And there's oh, yeah, also a... Sky- that. <laughs> there was also a Skyrim reference thrown in. No, I thought she did a great job as method man <laughs> now neither rose i mean they really beat the piss out of each other in this match yeah. they ran the dark results during this match which i thought was an interesting selection for the pay-per-view once again a good dynamite thing but for the pay-per-view why are you pushing people to the youtube show is it to get more eyes on it well plus quite frankly the guys that are turning in for the pay-per-view probably already know what happened on dark yeah. If you're if you're paying fifty bucks to watch the um, pay per view, you're a pretty hardcore fan. The no, you you know what's going on in Dark. You know what's going on in Dynamite. You, you probably know what's going on in being the elite. Yeah, they Dynamite. did run an extra episode of Dark this week on Friday, which surprised me. Yeah, I'm not really surprised because I think they were trying to make a weekend of it so that you know you tune in for show on Friday, you tune in for the pre-show on Saturday. Now you have somewhat of an event instead of just a pay-per-view, and people feel like they're getting a little bit more for their money. True. I was surprised to see Matt Seidel beat Chris Daniels, which was in a match I actually watched on Dark. It standout match. Those two have known each other since I want to say the ROH days, and they put on a hell of a match. Yeah, and I would expect nothing less from him. Christopher Daniels, obviously over 50 years old now, is at the point in his career where he's putting people over more often than not. He's not even really being seen with the rest of SoCal anymore. They've done a pretty good job of distancing those guys from each other. Scorpio Sky, they've gone even so far as to give COVID so that he won't be anywhere near the other two. (laughs) It's definitely not the prime anymore for Christopher Daniels, but he is a good character. Yes, 100%. Now, Hikaru Shida won this match. I thought it was good to keep the title on her. I think if you're going to put the title on another woman, do you wait for Abaddon to come back, who I thought, who I heard was slotted in this spot and has been getting quite a bit of popularity? Or do you just keep building her up to see who the next big character is that's going to pop? 
eventually that belt's going to go to Britt Baker. Yeah, that's true. uh, uh, Eventually, Britt Baker, who is one of your top heels in the organization, people hate Britt Baker. People hated Britt Baker when she was a face. (laughs) She's one of those people that has natural heat. And I know people are going to say, yeah, but it's like Xbox heat. Motherfuckers, heat is heat. If people genuinely hate you, then you got something going there. And she has that. She comes down as being condescending and knowing more than other people. And people don't like smart people. No, what if she goes for the NWA title instead of the AEW title and tries putting that over? That could get some heat. If you put her on the NWA title... Now you're putting more emphasis on the NWA title because that is your biggest star in your women's division. As much as I like the work style and I think that Sheeta is a much better worker than Britt Baker, Britt Baker's a megastar. Gotcha. Now the next title match of the night is a long-time dream match. All right, the next match was the third title match of the night. FTR versus the Young Bucks, a dream match, a match in the making. Did you feel it lived up to your expectations of what you thought this match would be? Oh, yeah, they did a good job with it. It was it showed some of the athleticism of FTR and it showed some of the storytelling ability of the Young Bucks. I think that a lot of times, and I'm not the Bucks' biggest fan, I think that a lot of times they use moves that are unnecessary in matches and get away from storytelling just like a lot of people out there do. But I thought in this match, they did a fantastic job of telling the story all the way through to the end and showing what that belt's actually made to, uh, meant to them. And a great moment at the end with Kenny Omega coming out because at that moment, you set up the, what could be a future heel faction. Yeah, and you saw Hangman Page hanging out in the... In the tunnel, didn't even come all the way out. Well, Tony Schiavone pointed out, he said, wasn't there somebody lurking over there in the tunnel? Yeah. but I mean, So it was a subtle point out, but it wasn't a, hey, what the hell's Hangman Page doing over there? Exactly. FTR lost with a rare flip, which when I saw him do the flip, I knew the match was over. And then I'm like, why would you do that? I... I didn't see them losing. I I mean, I don't know what else the Bucks would have done, but it took me by surprise, and I want to see Dynamite to see where this is going because it can't be the end of the road. The problem is, is there's no way the Bucks could have lost that match because they put their backs up against a corner with, oh, they'll never get another shot similar to like Cody in the world title. What if uh, that spawned a six-man title? Oh, God, that's what we need, more belts. See, exactly. I mean, we don't need it. But I'm like, if they lose, maybe they spawn a six-man title, not something the WWF has, and more akin to what they're a fan of in Japan. I'm glad they didn't create another title, by the way, but it was one way we saw it going that night. I only want six-man belts if we can see the Freebird rule enforced. The Young Bucks book coming out November 17th. Will you be buying it? Oh, absolutely. I, I can't wait. Uh, I have this whole stack of papers on my desk. That keep flying away. And once I get that book, those papers will never move again. Now, I think it's going to be an interesting look at the Indies. There was a book by Keith Elliott Greenberg released recently that I think is a more interesting dig into the Indies. But either way, you got two books that will give you the modern indie scene. Now, I've never read the Bucks book. 
Tony Schiavone said he read it in two and a half days, so I don't know if that puts it over or uh, kind of buries it. I think that um, the big thing about the Bucks in the Indian book is the title. They should have, instead of calling it the Young Bucks, whatever they called it, they should have called it Indy AF. <laughs> Shout out to Over AF and Alex Thorne, our guest on last week's show. Really motivational guy. Like, just... Listening to him makes me want to push farther with what we do because I feel like we're sleeping too many hours in the night and we could be putting ourselves over harder. Yeah, Alex Thorne is an absolute genius. I think you can hear by my dogs that I don't actually get to sleep much at night. <laughs> but Alex Thorne is an absolute genius when it comes to marketing and when it comes to pushing himself further than you would think one can. Yeah, and if you want to hear something good, listen to the Over AF podcast. If we're going to put over something that's our favorite this week, let's put over Over AF podcast. You can search them anywhere you can get podcasts. Him and Dangerous Danny, they put out a product that you put me onto a couple of weeks before we had him on, and I haven't been able to stop listening. It's just... Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a really good listen. And now let's speak of a really good watch. I don't know if you fell on the same side of decision as I did, but Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy, the elite deletion match. First off, what were your thoughts? I normally do not like stuff like this. I'm not a big um, theatrical guy. I don't think that it's necessarily great to get away from the wrestling, but I thought they did a good job of actually still wrestling, even though they were on the compound. Oh yeah, there was a ton of actual wrestling in addition to all the gimmicks. I mean, they had the high-risk moves, they had the comedy, they had the legend spots. The funny thing is is that those high-risk moves, as painful as they might look, I would take any of those over that suplex in the front yard. Uh I don't know if you've you've ever taken a suplex before, No. but taking a snap suplex onto hard dirt cannot feel good. When you take a suplex in the ring, there's at least a little bit of give. There is no give on the front yard. No. Now, they had a couple special appearances during this. Gangrel and Shane Helms. What was your level of excitement for the two appearances? Well, first of all, I love the fact that when it came to Gangrel, who does have his own name actually marketed, so you can use his name, that Jim Ross and the other announcers couldn't actually decide whether or not to call him David Heath or Gangrel. (laughs) It was almost like they were arguing back and forth what to actually call them. And that's one of the Um, few instances, because usually in the wrestling business, we've heard, like, if you've got a wrestling name, that's what you're referred to as. Yeah, he's one of the few people. He actually has the rights to his name, uses it on the independent circuit. He he was smart enough to get that trademark long before the WWE ever was able to. But to see him, and I love, I'm always a Shane Helms fan. You talk about somebody who did what we're doing now long before we did. Shane, Shane, Shane Helms was on the forefront of doing a podcast, and he was on the forefront of marketing himself. And talk about character development, going back and forth between the reporter and the hurricane was absolutely comedy genius. 100%. From what I heard on this week's Talk and Shop, he is also on Talk and Shop of Mania too. That's going to be Friday, November 13th, 10 p.m. on Fight TV. Worth checking out. And it's good to see Shane popping up on more things. 
You know what? Since they're doing that, since they're going to do the Talking Shop Mania, what we should do is we should get booked Rory Fox and get him on our show to talk about Talking Shop Mania. We might be able to make that happen tomorrow night. Check in Wednesday night, 6 p.m. All Everything Entertainment and on our YouTube will be on both. We're... Yeah, I can tell you. I can tell you something about Rory Fox. That guy holds nothing back. No, his his first appearance on our show was excellent. And I'm excited to hear how his career is coming forward. Because he's a true working fan. He has a day job. And he is still pulling out indie dates and being able to do things like this. And it's a real testament to his spirit. And you can hear the excitement in his voice. He talked about last time being on the job... And just daydreaming about thoughts and promos and things running through his head. Well, I heard that he's looking to make big money, so he's thinking about buying a bread route. (laughs) I know. Dave is out there slinging that dough and making that dough, apparently, because... Hey, people are buying that maple bread. (laughs) Nobody's buying the fucking maple bread. I, I always tease him about the swirls, but he says they go over huge. By the way, guys, in case you're wondering what kind of bread that Dave actually sells, he sells Martin's potato bread. Oh, yeah. Get it up in the, uh, or no, the Danielson, Mansfield, Willimannock area. If you can get Martin's bread, you're helping Dave out. Absolutely. Make that purchase. If you're not in that area, well, screw Martin's bread then. Yeah, drive up there. It's only 10 miles, 20 miles from where we're at. Get some. Uh, Hell, if you're in the Boston area, it's only about two hours. Don't be afraid to stop on in. Oh, yeah. Let's flood his route. If we can make Dave enough money, he can get up out that bread route. (laughs) Now, next up on the list, we got MJF versus Chris Jericho for the right to join the inner circle. Going into this, my prediction was... MJF wins and refuses to go in. This was my second favorite match of the night. Ooh, I'm, I'm excited to see what the first was when we talk about all of them. But what did you yeah. think about... What your, so your level of excitement was pretty high going into this. Uh, it was. I mean, you've got Chris Jericho who has evolved and as well as anybody in wrestling. You talk, we, t- we talked earlier about Christopher Daniels being over 50. Jericho's over 50 also. And he's actually doing a great job of evolving his style so that he continues to be crisp out there. And it's something that a lot of people struggle with, trying to make themselves still relevant. Uh, That Judas Effect elbow is a move that's going to put very little damage to his body. And he showed in the match with MJF that if he has to, he is just smart in how he sprinkles him in there. 100%. Now... I was looking out into the crowd during this, and during the time when everybody's rocking out to Judas, I thought I saw a dude from Reno Scum in the crowd. It turns out it's Ryzen, apparently. I thought we were having full impact crossover there. Is there a song that's more over right now? No. it. If the crowd was bigger, I think it would go over better. It seems a tiny bit forced with a smaller crowd, but the shots that they show of people, they're really rocking out to it, so you can't deny it. I mean, I wish somebody would turn down Jim Ross's mic. I just It's a little uncomfortable listening to him sing it. <laughs> but uh, the rest of it's absolutely incredible. By the way, I don't know if anybody's out there has ever listened to Fozzie. They're actually 
actually not a bad band at all. They actually have a really good sound to them. If you like bands like Atreyu, then you will enjoy Fozzie because, quite frankly, it's along that same lines of music. Yeah, they're made up of the former Stuck Mojo, who I was also always yeah. a fan of. Rich Ward, an amazing guitarist, and him and Chris Jericho have put together something really good there. Now, MJF, were you surprised to see him win this match? I was not. Uh, I didn't see where else this angle possibly could go, quite frankly. Um, I would, now, here's the thing. Jericho's been getting over so much as a face. Is it possible at some point that the inner circle actually turns on Jericho and goes with MJF as the leader, and now you have one hell of a baby face in Chris Jericho? A hundred percent. Dave said that exact same thing because I suggested MJF wins the match, refuses to join the inner circle, kicks off the new four horsemen because he was referring to how much his suit cost earlier. He was doing a couple other very Ric Flair type things and then they get him in and Dave suggests, well, what if he takes over the inner circle, Jericho goes face and that made a hundred percent sense. Well, think about it. The person who was most vocal about MJF not being in was Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara obviously was deleted, so he's going to be <laughs> injured. So his so vote is vetoed be- in this point. Exactly. So he might not even be relevant to the discussion when they actually do it this week. Like I said, you have an instant huge face in Chris Jericho if they do the switchover. The big one and the hard one to swerve is going to actually be Jack Swagger because that guy's in Jericho's corner for every match, every... And it doesn't necessarily make sense to have him and Wardlow unless they're teaming on the same side. Ooh, that... And it's they're putting very interesting story points going forward. So either way, this was obviously the way to go. Wardlow is welcomed into the inner circle and that's going to be interesting to see where they go with that Wednesday. I thought the end was a good tribute to Eddie Guerrero, too. I really enjoyed the end of the match. Oh, 100%. Now, we're going to move on to the last match of the night. Moxley versus Kingston, AEW title match. Where was your excitement for this going in versus where were you afterwards? Um, I thought it would be a good match. I did not think it was going to reach the level in which it did. It definitely reached a CZW style of um, violence. <laughs> yeah, they had the barbed wire bat, the barbed wire on its own, barbed wire in the mouth, thumbtacks. I, I would like to point out also how over our podcast is getting, because clearly Eddie Kingston listened to our podcast when I talked about his ring gear and needing to look more like a professional wrestler, since he did show up looking very much like he was the newest member of the... SmackDown Tag Team Champions. (laughs) I thought you were going to say the Spirit Squad because he came out with that Masawa gear. And I I was a fan of it, but me and Dave were commenting. We're like, I got to know what AJ has to say about this. Now, this match was wild. I, I thought it was a good main event to the night. Maybe some of the matches before we had slightly more excitement for. I think if you ended the night on that tag team championship match, that might have been my main event of the night because you could have built anticipation all night for it. I love the tag team wrestling, and obviously it was a bigger marketed match, but the story that they told in this main event of 
Eddie Kingston clawing and toothing his way for, for his whole career to try to get to this moment, to the to this world title shot, to and the relationship between him and Moxley and the fact that they were brethren and Moxley went to be a sports entertainer and now and then once again Moxley showing, hey, I'm not a sports entertainer. Uh, there's a reason why I told the WWE to screw off wrapping the bob wire around his arm to deliver that cowboy joke. Uh, uh, absolutely fantastic storyline throughout. Eddie Kingston wrapping the bob wire around his fist not once but a few times to deliver those punches and rain them down. I mean, the brutality in this match was just phenomenal, but the story was what was actually the best part of this match. Yeah, the promos going in, I wanted Kingston to win so bad, but they had me wanting him to win so bad that I knew that he had to lose. And well, the other pro- well, the other problem is, is if Eddie Kingston wins, who's his next challenger? He doesn't care. That promo yeah. in the buy-in was quite intense and just another reason why he's a master storyteller. I almost yeah, he- thought if he lost, you'd have more of a story with him just talking about it week after week. Yeah, and that's exactly why the loss is so important there. If you put him over in this situation, unfortunately, the Kenny Omega match makes no sense whatsoever. True. And then you have, but by having him lose and having him fight the fight that he fought in that match, you've now made Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston made Eddie Kingston. AEW made Eddie Kingston. You have a made man. This guy is going to be able to wrestle anybody now and be legit as can be. And now, going forward, you have Kenny Omega and John Moxley, which they've been building since the beginning of John Moxley's time in there. And this time, it's going to be a legitimate wrestling match, which is a whole nother story. True. Now, I would say, let's get to, we've reviewed the whole show. Would you say this was better than their last pay-per-view, which was all out? Uh, there's one thing I want to talk about. I'm sorry, from the oh, what else? pay-per-view. We had the interview with um, Jake Roberts and freaking uh, Lance Archer. Oh, true, where Jake sounds like shit. He he does sound like shit. He sounds like somebody who, um, and and I don't know why he would sound this way, he sounds like somebody who's done drugs and alcohol his whole life (laughs) and barely has a breath left in his body. But Lance Archer, on the other hand, you talk about somebody who is the future of AEW, this guy really is the murder hawk. He has that capability of being a challenger for any title at any given time, and he's a destroyer. So they need to do what they're doing, which is protect him, not necessarily put him on every show, and just have him that beast in the background who's tearing people apart. And they do have him speaking more, which is helping him out. I think keeping him with Jake is its a good enough idea. It's getting Jake on TV. I think Jake was a lot more effective when they started bringing him out. Then they've seen diminished returns since then. So The problem is, is that, like we said, he's not, Jake is not coming across as the Jake of old. He doesn't have the same cadence anymore. I mean, some of it's still good, but nobody's sitting there going, oh, God. I hope Jake Roberts doesn't attack. He's not speaking too loud, though, so he hasn't increased his volume. Yeah, when when I have to turn up my hearing aid (laughs) to be able to hear him, it's not. Now, where were you on Sting appearing? Because there there was news the 
couple days before this event that Sting's WWE contract had run out, and a lot of people were speculating that he was going to be on this show. Do we need Sting? <laughs> we don't need him, but the way they've been portraying Darby Allen recently sitting up in the rafters, to me it almost seemed like that kind of clue that maybe a preview for the future. And, and, and it could be a passing of the torch thing, could be a mysterious thing that's... And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we shouldn't have Sting. My problem is, is we're talking about a guy who the last time we saw him almost got crippled in the ring. True, and he wouldn't have to do as much... He wouldn't have to wrestle probably in AEW. He could be that figure with Darby Allen, not even have to talk. We were just hoping for that Tony Schiavone, it's Sting call. Yeah. We kept seeing it around every corner, and then when he didn't show up, we just felt like assholes. Yeah, that's uh, I like I said, I'm not expecting too much from that. Uh, I and I love Sting. I I was WCW guy. I grew up on Surfer Sting, and going into the Crow Sting, and I'll always have a soft spot for Sting, which I think is one of the reasons why I don't want to see him too much, is I don't want to tarnish my memories of Sting. Yeah, and you don't really need him, like. I mean, people feel different ways about his TNA run. Not something I even took in. So that's a whole period of Sting that I just haven't watched. I'm fine with my WCW memories of Sting up until late 90s. You know, when the NWO started becoming a thing and he joined them, I was like, I'm all right with Sting right now. I mean, some of Sting's best work, don't get me wrong, was in TNA. He did a great job of getting over talent in TNA and did a great job of character development. I loved the um, Joker version of Sting. He carried uh, Jeff Hardy through a match. Yeah, literally carried him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but who hasn't done that, right? But I, but, but I thought Joker Sting was a great character development, and I enjoyed that also. But it's been a long time since he's been athletic uh, Sting. True. Now... We've talked about the last pay-per-view. Let's talk about the next pay-per-view. Revolutions oh, yeah. coming up late in February. Where's your excitement for this right now? There's not too much known on the card. I mean, I think we can assume the world title match. I was going to say, do I need to know something other than Kenny Omega and John Moxley? What if they did that on the Wrestle Kingdom card? I mean, they could. But why would you give away that big of a match on someone else's card? That's what Dave and Scott from Voluntown were talking about. Because I suggested that. I'm like, well, Moxley's already got to lose that U.S. title. What if they went over January 4th, Moxley does a U.S. title match. Maybe January 5th, they do the first match, Moxley retains, and then they do the rematch at Revolutions. Well, what if instead of actually wrestling for the AEW title, they go over to Wrestle Kingdom? And Moxley actually loses um, the title, to, the other title, the U.S. the U.S. title for to um, Omega on that card. Ooh, I didn't think about that. And that I, way, you are flip flopping a title, getting everybody involved in Japan again. Exactly. Now you're flip flopping a title over there, and now you set it up that oh, Omega took his other title while they were in Japan. Is he going to take away his AEW world title now back in the States? True. And I think coming up on Dynamite tomorrow night, we're going to have to see where the ladies' title is going. 
where the tag team title is going, going into Revolutions. It's still early in the cycle. They're just getting through this pay-per-view. But I'm interested to see how the card develops going forward. Well, I think I'm like everybody else. I just pray to God that the next challenger is Brandy Rhodes. (laughs) I I think we're all hoping for a shot of Brandy. But, folks, we're going to be bringing you some varied content. The soundboard's going to be down for a month. So we're going to have to get interesting with producing. But we're happy to bring you a bonus episode this week. And we will see you tomorrow night on the live video. And we'll see you Thursday on another episode of the Working Fans Podcast. And and as usual, for getting to look at this, you're welcome. (laughs) All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then, as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 